Hello and welcome to the Wildlife Podcast. This podcast is going to talk about wildlife rescue, uh, particularly in an Irish context, particularly at the start. Later on, I'm hoping to expand this to international projects about wildlife rescue. But for the time being, I'm just going to stay with what I know, uh, which is Irish wildlife rescue. This first podcast is really an introduction to the podcast and what I hope to cover. So I'm going to explain that now and um, I hope you're into it. So basically this podcast is going to cover wildlife. We're going to talk about animals. We're going to talk about interesting animals, particularly interesting wild animals. We're going to talk about wildlife rescue. So helping those animals uh, when they need our help for myriad reasons. Uh, For example, recently I went to try and catch a monkey in Lucan, which is a suburb of Dublin. Uh, We've been on the case of numerous uh, black or silver foxes. Um, And that's been kind of a, well, we say this all the time, a wild goose chase. We do actually chase wild geese sometimes, but this is the proverbial version. Um, Maybe some swan relocation stories, which can be quite nice. Um, some crazier cases over my uh, six years doing rescue um, and talking about specific cases that are ongoing so if you follow Kildare Animal Foundation Wildlife Unit um, on Instagram or Facebook you probably see photographs of some very cute animals in need of help um, so we'll be giving updates on, on the podcast about that and maybe having a bit of a deeper dive on what's involved in that kind of rescue I'm hoping to interview people on the podcast. Uh, I'm hoping for maybe one a month. Starting with, say, uh, Dan Donaher from the Wildlife Unit in Kildare Animal Foundation. He is uh, kind of the paramount rescuer or rehabber in Ireland. He runs the unit down there, uh, which is the kind of primary care unit for wildlife in Ireland. Um, so I'm going to interview him. Then there's a few other people who run kind of sanctuaries or smaller organizations or maybe species-specific rescues, like hedgehog rescues, for example. I'm hoping to talk to maybe some policymakers, uh, wildlife photographers, ecologists, uh, and people who just are generally involved. I'll definitely talk to some fellow volunteers just about why they got into the rescue, what their most interesting and exciting rescues have been. And and I think you'll find that these are kind of quite cool stories and, and very interesting. We'll also be talking about, you know, specific shelter updates, like what we're preparing at each time of the year. So, um, you know, in January, you might be preparing for orphan season. And then when orphan season kicks off, you've got a whole lot of things to deal with there. And then you move on and uh, in the summertime, maybe with longer days, you've got a chance to uh, tidy up the the shelter and maybe do the painting and the maintenance that needs to be done and then you might be releasing animals or some of those orphans you might be releasing them towards the end of the summer coming into the autumn and then during the winter uh, you'll be dealing with a lot of sick animals that maybe haven't prepared for winter just yet uh, that's when you got your mange foxes and things like that that you might have to help out and then all year round you're going to be you know helping animals like you know, birds and stuff that have just got themselves in mad situations or animals that have been hit by cars. Um, so we'll be talking about those cases, particularly more interesting, uh, challenging and rewarding cases. This podcast is aimed at uh, people who are involved in or have an interest in wildlife rescue and animal lovers, I suppose. If you love animals, I think you'll get an awful lot out of this podcast. 
it's uh, it's going to be interesting, I think. Um, I love wild animals. I love rescuing wild animals. And I'm going to talk about maybe my history and how I got involved. And basically, the, you know, every surprise at every corner. I mean, um, this has been a life-changing experience for me. And everybody involved that gets on the podcast, I think, is going to say the same thing. And that's basically what we're going to be covering. Um, So I hope that makes sense. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and why you're listening to me talking on this particular podcast. Uh, So my name is Pierce Stokes and I've been volunteering with the Wildlife Unit for about six years, I think. Um, It feels an awful lot less in some ways. How did I get into wildlife rescue like this well I've always considered myself to be an animal lover but that didn't really manifest itself in any kind of concrete way um, I've always like loved dogs um, but you know it never really extended I'd, I'd be interested in seeing animals and stuff but I didn't do anything hands-on with them nothing wrong with that like but just that's the way it was I did run a couple of marathons for the donkey sanctuary um, I've always been a huge fan of donkeys um, my podcasting career began in national school when I was interviewed uh, for RTE and they asked me what I'd ask Jesus if I met him. It was some Christmas time thing. And I asked them what it would be like uh, to ride a donkey. Um, something that I probably could have found out quite easily even as a little kid. Um, but uh, but anyway, yeah, so I started... Uh, at one point I, I raised some money for the donkey sanctuary um, by running a couple of marathons. And... Um, but that was the extent of, you know, being an animal lover went. And that's not, you know, everybody does that kind of stuff. So uh, one day, though, I was sitting at home. Uh, I think it was probably a Sunday morning. And then that thing went up on Facebook from just basically somebody from some sanctuary, some rescue that I'd never heard of, saying, would, um, would anybody be able to help an injured fox? And they put a photograph on there and uh, the girl I was going out with at the time was crazy about foxes and I kind of turned to her and said hey do you want to go on a date to rescue a fox so we jumped up went out the door jumped in her car and she drove us to a a hardware shop to buy some gloves we I I mean I looked at buying a carrier like an like a pet carrier or or a dog crate but um, they were expensive and I just didn't know what I was doing and at the time wasn't able to just splash out on this kind of stuff. So I asked them for a big cardboard box, headed down to where the animal was, which was in a kind of little alcove at the front of the house in Dean's Grange, which is in Dublin. And um, the fox was kind of curled up in, in a bad way. And luckily, uh, a woman who would go on to help me with rescue um, by the time I think we met her, a woman named Sasha, she came down. She was a dog walker from the area and she had a crate that she said I could use. So kind of hoped that the fox would kind of find his way into the crate, but he was really non-responsive. And so with big, thick welter's gloves, I, re- I reached over and kind of pushed him into the thing. And to be honest, having never handled uh, a wild animal of any kind, um, particularly not a fox, um. It was kind of daunting, um, but he was in the the crate, so that was fine. Uh, we put him into, put the seats down in the back of the little hatchback car, 
put this big crate in the back and then embarked on our journey down to Kildare. Um, it took us ages to get there, but when we arrived, Dan, who I met for the first time, um, he invited us in really kindly. This is by now, this is like, you know, Sunday evening. It's, it was dark. He's putting his kids to bed or whatever. And um, he took the fox in and, I mean, just handled it immediately so effectively with so much experience. Um, I was kind of blown away, to be honest. Um, and... Yeah, and took care of the the fox. Then we you know, we turned turned around and headed back to Dublin. Car broke down in Nace. It turned into this huge project. It was like a full day, but amazing and really fun and exciting. Now, rescue as I got more involved later, became much more streamlined, much more organised, and Dan has really pushed to professionalise animal rescue. He's been very effective at that. So that first experience was probably like a lot of people's first experiences but not like most people's second third fourth experiences where it gets more effective and easier as 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 you get more experienced and get more connected with volunteer networks so i had experienced my first taste of rescue making a difference to one animal's life and at the same time i had interfaced with other animal rescuers um, not that i was one i suppose at that at that point but Sasha had come along and helped by providing a carrier and then Dan was available there to take the animal down in Kildare and he nursed it back to health and it would have been released nearby where we originally found it. I should say that when we talk about wildlife rescue or when I say that it means a couple of different things to a couple of different people I suppose. Rescue as I think of it is I catch animals uh, like the ambulance driver. I get the animal and then I bring them to somebody more expert than me, more expert in some, in, in uh, rehabilitation, treatment and so on. So that might be a vet, it might be straight down to the shelter, it might be a fosterer here in Dublin. And they take care of the animal and then it goes to either the vets to get further, further treatment and care and then goes down to the sanctuary to be rehabilitated and then released back into the wild. The goal always in every piece of this puzzle is to rehabilitate the animal and get it back into the wild if that's not going to happen then we've got to think about things a little bit differently and maybe a little bit coldly but that is the way that we have to handle that and i'll talk about specific cases as we go through the podcast so that you can kind of get to grips with and get a really good feel for how rescue works in ireland so i'm going to talk about a couple of rescues that i think are entertaining but there's great lessons in them I think there were probably nearly my second and third rescues, like it was early days at least. And again, this was before I had, we'd established a kind of a network. So again, I would have just heard through Facebook that an animal was in need and I responded to it. I wasn't part of any organization. I didn't really know of any group that would be helping um, other than Kildare Animal Foundation. And I, I just responded to this particular call out which was that there was a uh, nestling which is a very young bird in this case it was a very young seagull chick and uh, it had fallen into a back garden out near crow park and so i went out there and i got the nestling and what would have typically been involved there would have been i would drive that nestling to the sanctuary the sanctuary would raise that nestling until it was a fledgling and then until it flew away and um, 
that's quite labour intensive and it would have meant that I would have had to have driven again, I think it was Sunday, from Dublin City down to Kildare and back and that's a, a long drive and I'm willing to do it, it just, I just wondered and um, I asked Dan why people don't put nestlings just back in the nest and he said that typically they are inaccessible and so that's why we don't do it but really you know mother nature knows what 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 she's doing and there's no question that seagull parents are very competent and dedicated and they're more capable of raising a seagull chick than anybody even dad in the sanctuary so i decided i was going to return this nestling to the nest and that meant that i was going to have to climb to the third floor uh, roof or the third story roof of um, one of these terraced houses uh, that you have in Drumcondra. So I went out into the back garden and I put the nestling into a shoe box with holes punched in it and put that into a backpack and put that on. I got a ladder and climbed up onto the back wall and then carried the ladder up with me onto the roof of a shed. The shed roof was too weak to support the ladder so I balanced the ladder on one leg on a wall and climbed up that, like, I don't know, some kind of circus move, and climbed onto another roof that wasn't too steep, so I climbed up that. I should say that I had an umbrella with me, because apparently, I didn't notice at the time, but I had been warned that seagull parents will swoop down and peck at you, um, and that's definitely true. So I climbed up the first roof, and when I got to the second roof, the, the, the actual roof of the building, it was really steep. It was so steep, in fact, that even though I was wearing rock climbing shoes, I couldn't really get much friction. And so I had to use my fingernails to grip the nails in the, tire, in the slates to, to climb up. And finally I got to the top and I straddled the, uh, the apex of the, of the house. I looked down and, of course, all the neighbours have piled out into the gardens and out onto the main road and are looking up at this lunatic who's climbing onto the roof of a house with an umbrella in one hand but the nest is right there and I shimmy across the apex and I take the bag off my back I take the gull out all while I'm hearing all these kind of gulls coming around like sentinels not just the parents but loads of others and they're screeching and squawking swooping down on me but it was fine and I put the gull chick uh, back into the nest and that was that the lesson in all of this was that had I, I'd done all that you know climbing and scrambling up the roof and everything and there was actually a skylight right there in the roof of Velux window so I luckily had my phone with me and I phoned the the house owner or what we would call the finder in this case and I asked her if she would open the Velux window and I hopped in so all of that was unnecessary um I've subsequently done that a few times and there's videos on my YouTube uh, you can check out my YouTube if you just search for Pierce Stokes um, on YouTube, my, my name is spelled P-E-A-R-S-E, -E, Stokes, S-T-O-K-E-S, but also um, I'll link it in the, in the description or in the, the blurb that comes with this podcast. And there's some videos there of, of rescues like that where I return the gulls to, my ne to, to their parents' nests. And I should say that in one of them, a gull actually poos on my head. So that was the first one of those. Another one that I did then was where we responded to a, a blackbird that was caught in a, uh, you know, one of these chimney grates that, that stops birds nesting in a chimney. And um, well, this blackbird was inside that somehow. 
and Aideen, who's a, a really incredible rescuer who I'm going to talk about and, and definitely interview if she'll, if she'll do it. She and I arranged to go out one Saturday morning and we went out of this house out in Swords. And we had to uh, negotiate permission to get into the place, which we did. And then we climbed over the back wall and there was just, I don't know, probably 50 black sacks of rubbish that we had to climb over, which we did with the ladder. I put the ladder on the back roof, climbed up onto that, dragged the ladder up put it on the, the roof you know these extensions like kitchen extensions and they got like a, a velox window and again i had to balance the ladder against the drain pipe the drain pipes are pretty weak and it felt like it was going to break so i climb up that if i fell backwards i would have fallen through the velox window down into the kitchen but i climbed onto the roof and then went all the way up and when i got to the top the blackbird was actually um a black bag a piece of black sack that was in there so i pulled it out anyway so we did rescue the black bag and I brought it back down. And by this stage, I was getting involved and, and pretty serious about being good at rescue. So I had a kit of equipment that I would use. And I pretty quickly included binoculars into that kit. And when I train other wildlife rescuers um, at, at the induction days, binoculars are one of the first things I talk about having in your kit. So you can check and make sure from afar that the animal is the animal you think it is. Maybe if it's hurt, you could tell beforehand. If it's been snared, you could see that that's happened. Uh, just various different things will, will, will help. The more information you have, the better. Um, I will do podcasts that specifically talk about training people and, and what you can learn. But for now, I'm just going to go through these stories kind of quickly and easily. They're those two, two, two stories about climbing onto roofs. I enjoy the fun and the challenge of doing that. And um uh, sometimes I'm called upon to do some of the more uh, physically challenging rescues, climbing down into river beds or climbing up onto roofs, um, finding access where it might be difficult or, or catching a particularly mobile animal. I'm, when we first started, I remember we made a WhatsApp group and I think we had five people. I think it was called Fox Force 5, that WhatsApp group. And um, we were trying to catch, you know, a particular fox. That was why. And then Quickly, when we established the the actual like hotline and, and volunteer group, Dan professionalized that whole thing. And now there's, I don't know, nearly 80 people on the WhatsApp group that are part of our network of trained wildlife rescuers. So things have changed dramatically in the time that I've been involved. Now, the examples I gave there are of a couple of uh, bird rescues, bird on roof rescues. But the thing that I love most about wildlife rescue there's two things I love, uh, or maybe three, or maybe the list keeps going. There's been a couple of things that I've done that I would never in my wildest dreams have thought that I have done. For example, um, I remember picking up a vixen that I thought was just going to be a straightforward uh, road traffic accident and a simple case of putting her to sleep. But when I found her, uh, I sent videos of her to uh, Dan and Aideen to get a second opinion. And they came back and, and, and Dan was convinced that the vixen was pregnant and he asked me to check now i felt her belly and all that kind of stuff but i mean i have caught loads of vixens but i don't feel her bellies each time so i'm really ignorant about this yeah i kind of got what he got he was saying and and we realized yeah this this vixen's giving birth the problem is that it's having a problematic birth so this was again midnight i think on a monday night and i went out to anacare vets with um with amy and laura who are vet nurses out there really trojan trojan workers and they um they delivered i mean i got to stand there and watch 
they delivered uh, fox cubs. I don't know how many people in the world have ever seen fox cubs, be, you know, be born. Um, so, you know, that's got to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And it's not all putting birds back on roofs or foxes that have been hit by cars. I mean, it's a lot of that, but it's not only that. There's all kinds of crazy animals that people respond to um, and that we would be uh, minding and taking care of. As I said at the top of this podcast, uh, I responded to a monkey case in Lucan. So you never know what you're going to be encountering um, from a day-to-day basis in this. I also love uh, that it's just so difficult. So you're talking about incredible levels of resource management. So most people are volunteers. Most people are not well equipped. Most people are not even well equipped in terms of skill or expertise. And so you've got to try and manage and juggle all of those pieces to rescue very difficult to rescue animals. They're incredibly difficult. You can't explain to a fox that you're trying to help it any more than you can to a dog, obviously. But with your, with your pet animals, you usually have more than one opportunity to try and get them into the car to go to the vet. With wild animals, you tend to have one shot. And if you miss that, you're, you're done. The animals running, run, will run away and will just die somewhere. The other thing I like is that it's in all kinds of crazy places. I mean, I've gone running up Crone Woods, like 10k run up the mountains to get a fawn. But meanwhile, you could also find yourself like under a bridge on Amien Street trying to rescue a duckling. So you've, you've got crazy variety in terms of environment and everything like that. It's night and day. So when you're, it could be any time and hopefully people can respond and then you meet the most incredible people like rescuing animals are being involved like i do a little bit but the people that you meet and and the the people the sacrifices people make and, and some people are in a position to make huge contributions and then other people are only in a position to make a small contribution but everybody is trying to make the world a little bit better by making it a little bit better for the most vulnerable creatures that there are and um it's just it's so humbling to experience that and and over the next whatever year that i'm doing this podcast i'm going to interview those people and you'll hear their stories and they're better than mine and they're just the most incredible people so that's another thing i love about animal rescue is the, is the team of people that i've met and i've been incredibly lucky in that regard so i've actually talked about kind of tons of stuff there and i've barely scratched the surface of wildlife rescue and I don't know if I've even actually stuck to my intended script for today uh, and covered the things that I wanted to. But I hope that this gives you a flavor for the kind of thing that uh, we'll be covering. Um, I'm going to get other people who are much more expert um, and much more interesting when it comes to this kind of stuff than I am. So please subscribe to the podcast. That will be really helpful. If you like it or you think you know people who would like it, please review it or share it. That will be really, really helpful. And I should say that the end goal of this whole podcast is to basically continue helping wildlife. So it's about spreading a message about wildlife and how important it is, how vulnerable it is, about ways people can help. It's going to be about letting people know when induction days are on or training days are on. Uh, Sometimes we host table quizzes. People will be invited to that. You'll also find some companion material on our website, which will be wildlife-podcast.com there i'll put links to any of the topics that we've covered and today i mean it's been very general but we will be talking about you know taking a deeper dive on specific aspects of animal rescue and specific challenges that we can overcome 
um, and how we've done it or how they've done it elsewhere. So I'm hoping that this will become a resource for wildlife rescuers. So it won't just be me talking at you for 25 minutes in future. But thanks a million for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you got something out of it. Please go on to Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and follow your wildlife rescues, uh, your wildlife volunteers, the Irish rehabber, uh, the wildlife unit killed there particularly soon. All right. Thanks a million. Take care.